oceans are the last thing for the planet if the current trend of plastic consumption continues there would be more plastic than fish in the oceans by 2050 a study also shows that there are 5 to 50 trillion microplastics in the oceans which have negative effects like reduced feeding fertility and growth problems for marine life it's a terrible problem i mean hundreds of marine species suffer from the impact of marine pollution through ingestion suffocation and entanglement uh, marine wildlife confuses plastic waste for prey and most die of starvation as their stomachs get filled with plastic debris so one day when four friends visited a plastic strewn beach they realized that they have to do something about it and thus was born hybar so today we're lucky to have hybar co-founder nora shaper with us thank you for joining us nora well thanks for the invitation yeah and i'll dive uh, right straight in uh, i think we're all um, we're all um, anxious to hear about the story of uh, hybar you know could, could you tell us the string of events that led you and your co-founders to stop the company sure so there's four of us co-founders here at hybar and we all had children at the same school so i guess we met through our kids which is one of the big motivators for what we're doing here today having children and knowing what we're leaving you know for them and what the world is going to be like for them so and um it was four friends um so we knew each other socially um and this is a school that it's it's a waldorf school so it's a very environmentally conscious school um and the four of us met uh through that and my husband and jay is also one of the co-founders and jay and i had a previous business where we were selling through we were selling natural products uh bath bombs and soaps to the natural markets and we were realizing as we were creating these products that we could formulate some of them to not need a package or not need a plastic package So we were talking about this and um Ward who is our current CEO he is one of the co-founders and he had a natural pet food business that he had built up and sold and I knew that he had just sold the business so um I cornered him in the school parking lot and I said Ward would you consult with me and my and my husband Jay um because he was such a you know successful um entrepreneur and he ran a manufacturing facility and um he started consulting with us and we told him our big idea about starting to reformulate products and eliminate plastic packaging and he lit up and he was like that is a great idea and we need to do that and then a really formative thing is the fourth co-founder Dion uh we saw him at a housewarming party after he'd just returned from a trip to Mexico and he talks about how he went out to the beach on this secluded property and the caretakers had raked the property line but on either side of the property line you could just see plastic and he was totally distraught and he came home from that trip and was in the shower and realized oh my god I'm part of the problem look at all these plastic bottles so we ran into him shortly after that at the housewarming party and he asked what we were up to And I said, "Oh, we're working with Ward and we're making products to eliminate plastic packaging." And he was like, "What? I have to be part of that." So, the four of us decided to band together 
um, and work together on this plastic pollution issue, um, it turned out to be a great foursome uh, because Dion came from a brand and marketing background um, and Ward came from a manufacturing and running a business. And then me and Jay, Jay was formulating products for us and I was out selling them. So Jay's our formulator, I'm in sales, Ward is CEO and managing the business and Dion heads up marketing. So the four of us banded together and it took us about two and a half years to formulate a product before launching. Um, and then we launched and we launched about two and a half years ago. Wow. And so, you know, interesting, you know, the four musketeers and sounds like a very great uh, set of complementary skills. <clears throat> was it hard to formulate a product? You, you know, you mentioned two and a half years. That sounds a long time. What, what was the difficulty in formulation? Well, there were lots of difficulties. It was kind of interesting. Um, you know, one of the biggest difficulties is that we, you know, Jay was kind of, he's not a chemist, but he is a rule breaker. Um, and he, you know, has done other things. So he is a potter. So he's done glazes and he was making soaps. And so he likes to kind of fiddle with chemistry. And he was determined um, that he could make a product. But the chemist, we consulted with actually a horse, um, a Veda chemist. Um, and she was like, no, it's not possible to formulate salon quality in a solid product. Um, and we, you know, I think those were really motivating words to, to Jay. And he's like, I think we could do yeah. it. So we did keep going back to the drawing board and going back and going back. And finally, we sent her a product and she's like, I think you guys did it. This is amazing. So, you know, I think that because people weren't formulating in solid and also, you know, we, we took out the water, um, which is another one of our efficiencies. So, you know, most ingredients, well, shampoo and conditioner is 80% water. And a lot of the ingredients are water soluble. So we had to figure out a new way of, of making this product. And we knew to achieve our mission, which is to help, you know, people, inspire people to use less plastic in their lives, that it had to be as good, if not better than their bottled product, or they're not gonna give it up. Yeah, that is true. I mean, uh, in the green market, uh, it's not enough to have a product that helps the planet. Uh, you know, very few consumers are just going to help it on that basis. Most of them are going to buy a product that's really going to perform a task, as well as the you know uh, current products they're using. But um, yeah, great and okay. story, like not taking not taking no front end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, thanks, thanks a lot, Nora, for sharing that story. I could imagine you know different pieces of the puzzle coming together there and you know forming your story yeah and just building on you know the the ingredients part so you provide salon quality shampoos and conditioners but minus the the harmful ingredients so how did you guys you know actually narrow down on on those list of ingredients that you would you would be using and you won't be using in, in your product you know, and that, that is kind of an ongoing challenge a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, we're, we're really trying to balance. I mean, our mission is to eliminate plastic, um, but we don't want to do anything that's harmful as well, you know, to a body or to the planet. So we've used, you know, different, like we knew we wanted to sell through Whole Foods. So we did use their ingredient standard as one of our standards. 
Um, and there are, you know, additional standards out there. Um, and this is where a team of four people uh, is really helpful or, you know, challenging as well, because we all have, I came from making products with, you know, five ingredients in my, in my past life. And I was a real stickler about the ingredients, but really um, we've gone, they're 90, our products are 97% natural and um, we've eliminated, you know, sulfates and phthalates and um, silicones. And um, they're really natural products that are safe for the environment. Um, but there are some times we run across an ingredient, like we use a honey. Um, it's, it's a like a broken down honey in one of our ingredients. And, and you know, that really helps the effectiveness of the product. So, um, even though it's not vegan, we decided to go with with the honey in that. So sometimes we compromise a little bit with an right. ingredient for effectiveness. Yeah, it's, it's good to know that you are um, you know equally aware of all the ingredients that go into it and how good or not so good are they. So, so that's such a <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's an ongoing conversation. <laughs> oh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> so so are the formulas evolving? over time are you you know not the base formulas um but you know we are creating new products and you know continuing to look at our ingredients as we do that and um this is something that i'll share later but we are starting to look at products beyond hair mm -hmm. um to achieve our mission you know we're, we're really looking at whatever's in the bathroom that we can reformulate so um, and, and that, you know, we're having rehabbing ingredient discussions and, um, you know, the scent or the smell of the products was a big discussion and can we do it with essential oils and, or will that evaporate or, you know, um, essential oils can be a little unstable sometimes. And, and so we had a lot of discussion and you, you kind of have to choose your, um, fragrance based on what's going to work long-term as well so you have you know some limitations in that way as well yeah but yeah i think fragrances are important to consumers right yeah you know that i know that a lot of companies you you don't have to reveal what's in your fragrance so sometimes companies hide you know the phthalates or whatever in their um fragrance um and and we just really want it to be as transparent as possible and and share what's in our fragrance so you know, it was really important to us to make sure everything in there was was natural. Very good. A lot of inspiration, you know, has been taken from nature for the design of your products. How did you exactly incorporate those natural designs? You know, the form of our product was yes. another huge challenge for us, but that was inspired through nature. Um, the first thing I was thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, water was a big conversation that the founders were having throughout the development. Like, and, and now, you know, we have um, salespeople and I have um, a, a, our Western sales manager, Louise. She's like, on, on the West Coast, it's such a huge issue, water. And we should really highlight how these products are, are made without water. You know, we're not using that precious resource. Uh, so water has always been a conversation in our in our product, and the shape was was based on um, Lake Superior rocks, and our logo is a water drop. 
Um, so, you know, it's definitely incorporated and nature really is our inspiration. Um, that's what we love, uh, you know, and our, we know our children love and, and that was a real reason for developing this product. Thank you. And no, no, you know, throughout your supply chain, you have, you know, you have made consistent effort to reduce the consumption of, of plastic. So how, how exactly do you ensure that? And, you know, what alternatives to plastic do you use at the different stages of, of your supply chain? Yeah, and that's a challenge too. That's another ongoing thing for us, but it's a real um, focus, especially this year, you know. Um, but one of the things we've done that is unique, we found, is we're using a cellulose pallet wrap. So it can decompose. Um, and we put a big sign on there when we send out a pallet, like this is compostable, don't throw it away, you know, put it in compost. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, we don't know what they do at that end. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've also found that we've, we've been able to change a couple suppliers and actually receive some of our ingredients in a, uh, we were getting big, huge plastic uh, tubs of one of our main ingredients. And in one way that was fine because they were easily recyclable. We were, it was easy to find people who would take those and use them, but we really, you know, we go through so much of that ingredient that it was kind of horrifying to think, oh my gosh, all of these barrels of plastic. We, we turned a couple into rain barrels in our, in our backyard. And, and I thought, oh, well, there's another business idea, but uh, we were able to change suppliers and now we're getting that ingredient in paper, um, big paper barrels. Um, okay. So we're always looking for opportunities like that. And, you know, our shipping process, we, there's no plastic ever when we ship out our product. We've figured out a way that we don't need to, we have a box that fits our products perfectly and we use the label to shut the box. Um, and we actually just invested in a huge box taper for our wholesale orders. It's the, apparently the first in the US or, that uses, it's a box taper for water activated paper tape. Uh, okay. So they used to only ha have it made for the plastic tape and, and we had it kind of retweaked for our water activated tape. So we're pretty excited about that. It's impressive how closely you are looking at things and, you know, finding opportunities to, to improve. So I think yeah, this, there's a lot to learn from, from you in, in that respect. Yeah, there's a lot of work still left, but but yeah. we have noticed, you know, the conversation for businesses too is really mm -hmm. around how can we reduce this. Um, mm -hmm. We also in the factory, so we're we're man manufacturing our products ourselves, and in the factory, we've just um, enrolled two sustainability um, ambassadors. So we actually have staff that are helping us look at all of our processes and helping us, you know, stay as sustainable as possible and make improvements. Have you seen, uh, observed in your uh, industry, um, knowledge sharing amongst manufacturers about this? Uh, because it's a, it's, a, it's a field, I guess, you're all innovating, finding ways to do it better. Is there any source of like open source sharing of knowledge? You know, what's really interesting is um, we're 
our brand is part of the Grove Collaborative Plastics Working Group. Hmm. And Grove Collaborative is heading up, um, they're taking all of their brands and we meet once a month and they bring speakers and we talk about uh, different ways of reducing plastic. There's Slack groups um, where people are offering different resources. I actually offered up our cellulose palette wrap to that group. Um, they brought in um, a company called Repurpose mm -hmm. that is out there. And, and so interestingly enough, we're pretty much the only brand on Grove's plastic working group that is plastic free. So we're talking to big brands, Bronner's and seventh generation yeah, yeah. that are making huge differences out there. And, and they are mostly plastic free, but they're trying to eliminate like the little yeah. um, pumps and, you know, plastic tops um, and, and as much as they can. So they use repurpose they, to like offset their plastic consumption. Mm -hmm. um, but they're also helping us like awareness around legislation um, for, you know, break free from plastic legislation that's being moved forward right now. And um, so they really are bringing the knowledge together in those groups. Yeah, um, that's good. Because what struck me on the Grove website is that all the products are packaged in plastic. So right. it's, I guess they're trying to get into the right direction and you're helping because you're at the forefront of that. Right. Some of the conversations I'm like, well, this, this isn't really for me because we're already doing that. I feel like the goody two shoes in the group. <laughs> we already do that. <laughs> so switching from the industry to the to the consumer market, you, you've been uh, in this industry doing this for a few years now. What what are the trends? The consumer trends have you seen? What, what have you seen in terms of consumer awareness adoption? of those plastic free products? You know, one of the interesting things to me is that we've been working with um, in, in Minneapolis, uh, it's a social media group to help us with our social media strategy. And so they've been doing some social listening. And we were concerned that during this pandemic that the plastic issue kind of took a back seat, mm -hmm. that it was all pandemic, pandemic. And, and we were worried, you know, like, oh my gosh, are we losing traction on this plastic thing? But they actually told us that they've seen, I forget the percentage here, like a 2000% increase in conversation around plastic. Hmm. And people during COVID have really had the opportunity, I think, to try different things um, mm -hmm. without the pressure of having to be, you know, out and about with it. So, um, you know, I think, I think that the conversation is increasing around you know, waste, especially plastic waste. Um, and I think that people are really looking for options right now. Consumer, the consumer demand for products that are sustainable packaging is really increasing. That's and, good news, it's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People are thinking in the right direction. That's what's always good to hear. So, I think uh, so too. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nora, uh, you have been in this space, but which are some of the brands that you look up to as you know as a consumer or as a brand uh, which is which is sustainable and ethical you know um there's a company called the girlfriend collective mm -hmm. and okay. they do clothing 
And one of the things that I really love about them is like they have, you can buy socks that are made from uh, recycled trash, recycled plastic waste. And they also offer like a micro fiber filter for washing machines, which is, okay. I love that. I, I, I think that's the next challenge, you know, is like, especially being in Minnesota, we're right on the Mississippi river and you know what we wash actually goes into the river. Uh, so it, it's, you know, I, I just think about that. I love how companies are coming up with, you know, new things and new ways to um, change the story. Yep. That, that was one of the first companies I curated for Terra. They're on the site. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, and, that's fantastic. And it's funny because it, as you're right, you know, they're like a closing company, but I, I created a product page for that filter because I thought it was so cool for a closing company to also yes. sell a filter, mm -hmm. you know, to uh, stop those uh, uh, microplastics when you wash your clothes to go into the ocean. So, yeah, <laughs> just seeing it on their site, it it, it triggers another awareness. Yeah. I feel mm -hmm. like yeah, totally. Which I didn't have. I didn't know those things existed. But uh, as we're building the laundry category next, uh, you know, we're finding some products uh, to to you know to uh, collect microplastics in your laundry. Um, That's awesome. But, uh, there are other techniques we are finding out. So it's very, very cool. What is your advice uh, to people who want to start a sustainable zero waste lifestyle? It can be overwhelming. Where would you advise them to start? You know, I, I think that the overwhelming part can make people, you know, do nothing. And really, we think that just even no small change, that's, that's part of our why we like high bar so much, you know, the first thing you do in the morning is take a shower. And if you can take a shower with one product that doesn't have a plastic bottle, then you've already won. You won the day, you know, just small changes, just do one thing at a time. I, I know for me, you know, here I am leading a sustainable company and I go to the grocery store and I try to buy food, you know, not in plastic and they're, <laughs> it's really hard. There aren't that many options. And so I don't beat myself up. A lot of times I don't buy the product, but I also, you know, know sometimes I have to buy this product and I'm just going to make small changes. Um, you know, I've been doing things like, you know, we, this doesn't come in as much anymore, but I always have a water bottle with me. I don't buy bottled water. You know, I always have a bag with me when I go places. And so I don't have to take a bag. Um, honestly, even just picking trash up when you're out walking is making a difference. Yep. Um, so I'd say just start with what you can and don't be hard on yourself and make small changes. And you'll realize as you make those small things, you're, you know, it gets easier and easier, but there's going to always be work to do, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's it has definitely been an inspirational journey so far. And thanks a lot, you know, for sharing all those insights with us. Um, lastly, we would like to know, you know, what lies ahead for Hybar in 2021 and in the coming uh, two to three years? Well, we're, we are, like I mentioned before at the teaser that I mentioned before, is yeah. we are starting to, yeah. uh, to look at products beyond hair care. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And we're really excited about the opportunities in, in the, you know, 
you walk down the whole aisle in the grocery store and, and like anything that's in plastic is, is on target for us. Um, I think we're focusing, hopefully we're gonna be launching um, some face wash products this year, deodorant, hopefully. Um, we've got, a you know, I think we've got about four new formulations in the works and we're gonna kind of see which one takes the lead because it really is, you know, a lot of um, fixing problems as, as we go farther. So uh, we're gonna look at face wash, anything in the shower that you use on a daily basis is something we're gonna take a look at and see if we can reformulate. So we wrap it up usually by, you know, summarizing uh, the takeaways, uh, which uh, takeaways for Bernard and takeaways for me. So I'll, I'll go first. Uh, I mean, I, I really loved uh, how you guys had started and, you know, invested a lot of time in researching and coming together before really getting down into the business. So I think that that research part before starting the business, that's just really important and how invested all of you are uh, in this business. And secondly, the, the transparency that, that you have in you know each of each of your processes and with the final customers as well. I mean that example of, of fragrance where you you don't really have to you know divulge the information to the to the customers, but but you are still still doing that and uh, you know uh, being ethical that way. So so those were my key uh, takeaways from from this conversation. So thanks a lot, Nora, again for sharing all those insights. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. My, my key takeaway, there are many, but the one that um, struck me the most or is um, a little bit similar to Naman, but uh, the way the team formed, um, but more importantly, the complementary skills that each of you brought to the party. So you're like a four co-founder team, but you have four pillars with uh, four distinctive uh, skill set that really important to the business. So, you know, I think that's a great foundation uh, to build a very solid business, which, uh, you know, you did with also, you know, you have, you have the patience to, you know, focus on first the category, nail it, do it right, establish the brand and then grow from there. Uh, so, yeah, I see a lot of uh, great uh, entrepreneurial, uh, you know, skills, practices in this company, in this new brand, which, uh, you know, bodes very well for the future. I think you, you guys are on a solid footing uh, to uh, succeed here. So that's, that's my uh, <laughs> entrepreneur's uh, takeaway on your yeah. entrepreneurial venture. <laughs> I know, I feel lucky every day. It, it really is a great team and, and we have great employees that are really into the mission too, which I love. Um, and we're bonusing our employees on how many bottles we're removing. Mm -hmm. um, so we're converting sales into the number of plastic bottles we've removed and, and they're all really engaged in that. They, I think mm -hmm. that it's exciting for them. So I'm really excited and happy to be part of this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, uh, it's an inspirational business to be part of. Um, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks a lot again, Nora. Yeah, Nora. Thank you that, so uh, much. That was a lot of, uh, Lot of information, lots of great stories, lots of uh, density in uh, in this podcast. So it was a lot of fun talking to you too. Thank you. Thank you.